Open Books with Claire is a proud member of the Create Vine and is produced by Mecco Radio. Welcome back to Open Books with Claire. On Open Books with Claire, we explore characters and how they drive the stories we love. I'm your host, Claire. So today I'm going to give a short, spoiler-free look at uh, the House of Hades. But don't worry, I will also look at a spoiler and more in-depth look at the House of Hades soon. Um, So the House of Hades is written by Rick Riordan. So this is, uh, so the House of Hades is a fantasy adventure novel. It's the fourth book in the Heroes of Olympus series, and it was published on October 8th, 2013. Um, So a little bit about the story. Uh, It follows the Greek demigods, Annabeth Chase, Leo Valdes, and, sorry, Piper McLean and Percy Jackson. Um, as well as the Roman demigods, Jason Grace, Hazel Leviquis, I don't actually know how to pronounce their names, so bear with me, and Frank Zhang, on their quest to close the doors of death, stop the giants from raising Gaia, and prevent war between Camp Jupiter and Camp Half-Blood. Um, so all of this we've learned in previous novels. Uh, so the novel is narrated in third person, alternating between the different points of view of the seven demigods. So Rick actually announced uh, the House of Hades um, through his website on October 20th of 2012, which was only two weeks after he launched The Mark of Athena, which is the previous book. Uh, Then the cover and the synopsis were revealed at Book Expo America in May of 2013. So the first printing of an interesting thing that I thought um, is that the first printing of the House of Hades was two and a half million copies, which I feel like it's probably an average amount, but it also seems like a lot of them, <laughs> a lot of books. All right, so that was the spoiler-free section. All right, on to the spoilers. So to join me in that conversation is my sister, Soraya. Hi, I am, as said previously, Claire's sister. I am also of a fairly avid reader. Nope. Um, yeah. No. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to join me for this episode. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about what happens in this book? Alrighty. After Annabeth Chase and Percy Jackson fall into Tartarus at the end of Mark of Athena, the other five demigods of the Prophecy of the Seven, Frank, Hazel, Jason, and Le- Leo and Piper, uh, with N- Nico and Coach Hedge, prepare to go to Greece to find and close the doors of death from the mortal world in order to prevent the monsters of Gaia's army from continuously resurrecting. Uh, on their way out from Rome, Hazel has an encounter with Hedkit, or Hedkate, however you pronounce it, and she gives her gi- gives Hazel some advice on what's to come, which is a lot. Um, in Bologna, the Argo 2 is raided by the Kirkopes. Leo goes after them to retrieve his stolen Archimedes sphere and takes an agricultural book belonging to Triptolemus and an astrolabe made by Odysseus as recompense. He also sends the Kirkopes to harass the Roman army massing at Camp Half-Blood. Uh... In Venice, Frank, Hazel, and Nico have to visit Triptolemus, and they need 
barley cakes designed to protect them from the poison of necromantian from Tryptolemus. In exchange for the barley cakes, Frank's has to get a Frank has to get a replacement for snake for Tryptolemus's chariot, which is powered by two snakes. After remembering that his father Mars can turn enemies into snakes, Frank decides to battle all of the Catobelps cow monsters in exchange for a snake. He defeats all of the monsters and receives the blessing of Mars for his heroism, becoming physically stronger, much more confident, and gaining a snake for Tryptolemus. During a later encounter with the bandit Skyron, and after a meeting with the goddess Headkit, Hazel successfully learns to manipulate the mist, a powerful a power that alters peop- other people's reality layers by deceiving them. After Jason asks them to, the demigods travel to the split to visit the tomb of Decoletin to retrieve his powerful scepter and leave a note for Reyna, who has been asked by Annabeth to find the Greek demigods. The god Cupid, guardian of the scepter, refuses to relinquish it until Nico admits that he once had a crush on Percy Jackson. While sailing through the Adraic Sea, the ship is attacked by Keon and the Borids. Piper uses her powerful charm speak, scales to defend the group. During the attack, Leo is transported to Ogigia, where he falls in love with Calypso. Although he leaves the island, Leo promises to return for her. While Leo is detained, the rest of the crew meets with Notus, who helps Jason to realize that he has chosen to be a Greek rather than a Roman demigod, settling an internal conflict within himself. Jason later gives up his praetorship to Frank in accordance with this decision. Arriving at the Necromantion, the reunited crew is attacked by Silatus Pasiphae, I don't know how to pronounce any of these names, so I'm super sorry, and a group of their minions. Each of the demigods uses some aspect of their newly strengthened powers or identities to help defeat these monsters. For example, Hazel's new power and alliance with Headkit helps her to defeat Pasiphae and Clytus. Meanwhile, Percy and Annabeth travel through Tartarus to the other side of the Doors of Death, aided by the Titan Apitus, who now goes by Bob after a previous encounter with Percy, the giant Damson, and a few other beings. As the other demigods fight in the world above, Percy and Annabeth's group reach the doors of death and fight the personification of Tartarus, eventually destroying the chains holding the doors in place. Bob stays among behind among hordes of angry monsters to defend the doors while Percy and Annabeth escape and reunites with the five other demigods, who successfully close the door of doors of death. Reyna arrives on her flying Pegasus, and Annabeth ta- tasks Reyna, a Roman, with bringing the Athena Parthenos, Parthenos using the Argo that was that they brought back from Rome, back to Camp Half-Blood to appease both the Greeks and Romans, with Nico and Coach Hedge volunteering to accompany her. And that's how it ends. Perfect. <clears throat> There's definitely a lot that uh, goes on in this book, and there are some hard names uh, to pronounce, so we don't know how to pronounce all of them, and that's okay. All right. So, uh, this book, I guess, uh, the first character side that we hear about is Hazel, right? And so, Hazel's a little, she's a little shaken up, I guess. Um, all of the crew is, uh, because of Annabeth and Percy and their fall that they experienced, right? And, like, so they're, they're really feeling that, um, that separation of the, the crew, because they've kind of developed, 
they've developed relationships with each other. And so Hazel's a little bit shaken up. They're on the night shift. And um, like they've been trying to get across Greek, sorry, <laughs> Greece for, um, for a while, right? And then she has an encounter with Hectate. Oh my goodness. Again, names. Like, um, that really, that shakes her up even more, right? Um, so how do you, like, let's talk a little bit about how that encounter kind of shapes, like, helps Hazel develop as a character. Well, honestly, this entire book, I feel, was all about, like, the glow-ups and the rising to the occasion, right? Like, this happened to every... Yeah, I think every single one, it was all about their self-discovery of their true abilities, right? And Hazel just, like, I really liked Hazel from the very beginning. She had a super interesting backstory, right? Super crazy storyline, right? And she had a really cool power that she was kind of afraid of. And then she, she gets told by this goddess in front of her that she can have if she tried to learn and tried to understand, she could have this other power, right? And so it's kind of like, go Hazel, right? And she's she she learns to kind of step into her role on, on the Argo, right? And they all kind of do, right? Like this happened with Frank, his whole glow up, which was like the craziest bits, I would say, of the entire book. And even Leo, after his encounter with Calypso and Ogigia, he kind of, he changed a lot, right? And Jason's self-discovery of how he, he's not a Roman, right? He, he feels more at home with the Greeks. And Piper with her newfound charms, like her, the expanse of her charm speak abilities was like, like what the heck? You know, it was like insane. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of development um, of the characters, and I'm really glad that we get to see that, right? Like, we get to see Hazel develop confidence, um, like, more confidence. I mean, she was confident before, right? Like, she could wield a sword like nobody's business. But she gains, um, I guess you could say, more confidence in her heritage, you know, being the daughter of Pluto had never really sat completely right with her kind of thing like she she hadn't completely come to terms with that and I guess and what that meant you know about the way that she saw the world kind of thing and it helped her control the mist um and so we get to see her develop in that and gain more confidence in her newfound ability of that and you you know you talked about Frank with his glow up he becomes more confident in his heritage right I guess it's all about them becoming confident with where they come from. Because, yeah, like, Frank, he realized that as a son of Mars, you know, he's got a lot of pull as a leader, you know? Like, he's he's able to step into that role, and, like, he's, he's made for that role. He cleanses Venice of the clops, kelps, the cow-like um, animals that eat poisonous roots. And will poison you. Um, And he does that to protect Hazel. And he does that to protect, you know, like his friends. And so you see him develop confidence. And you see Jason figuring out who he is. 
and like Piper with gaining more confidence in herself because she she's always felt like I don't know like she didn't belong like that she was a fraud that she didn't have much power um that like she was just kind of along for the ride and then you know she figures out that she holds a lot of power in her hands right but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the plot twist because you you talked a lot about like the things that surprised you in the book. So let's talk about what's what's your um, favorite plot twist. It's hard to pick. I like I absolutely love like the internal plot twists. You're just like hold up, Frank is like a leader, right? Like before he was kind of comfortable being like the the chubby little lovable Frank, right? Like, I say chubby, but it was, like, just how they described him. No judgment. <laughs> but, like, but, you know, he, w- he was lovable Frank. He was Frank the panda. I feel like that's, that's, like, a way that they described him. I don't know, like, just whenever I pictured him, I pictured him kind of, like, a cuddly panda, you know? <laughs> Soft and warm and big and but then after, <laughs> I feel like I'm just, like, butchering this description of him and making me seem super terrible. But, you know, like, and then all of a sudden, he just, like, he, like, gets taller. He has more confidence, right? Yeah. And even with, like, like all the stuff that happened, you're just like, oh, my gosh. You know, it was a lot of stuff that happened in this book, right? kind of insane it was it was it was like constant action there was no part where it was like oh like this is a good part I feel like the only parts that were sometimes hard to read at least for me were like the parts where Annabeth and Percy were weren't was in Tartarus you know it's just like oh I want them to be happy you know and then they're just stuck in this terrible place right and it was that those were the only really harder parts to get through but I think it's just like you know it was hard to read it's hard to read your character your some of these characters that you love going through hardships which they all did right but I can't really like narrow down that was a huge tangent sorry uh I can't really like narrow down one plot twist that was just like what (laughs) you know because they were all that way right yeah, no. Like, it was just constantly action-packed and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't think I have a favorite plot twist either. I like, you know, I just, I love, I mean, I love that, like, Hazel is able to control the mist. You know, like, I think that's amazingly cool and just adds to her character. Um, like, a character that I already loved before and now um, still love, you know. Um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about Percy and Annabeth, right? Like, they fall into Tartarus, and, like, they, ex- they experience a lot of pain and hardship, right? Like, um, they, I guess they talk a lot about, like, the monsters that they had killed, because, like, they're the ones who sent them there, right? Um, and I guess one of the main ones that they talk about is Bob, because, like, he was a titan that they, they wiped his memory, um, and told him that he was Bob and, like, sent him to work with, um, like, in, in Hades' palace, right? 
and it would seem like kind of like a miserable place for him to be and and like but there was just there was a lot of um like drawing connections between the monsters that Percy and Annabeth faced in his series to um you know the monsters that they're now facing there and what I think I loved about that is that they still like stayed close right like instead of um you know like just curling up in a ball and just like staying there they drew on strength from each other you know in order to continue moving and to continue going like even when it got hard well even when it went from hard to even harder (laughs) they still they still managed to continue going through their connection to each other right well this was like it was literal hell right like this is literally the place where monsters dwell, right? And as you said, like, they kept drawing connections from the past monsters that they faced. And, and even, like, some of the monsters that they fought in Tartarus were just like, Hey, Percy and Annabeth, y'all killed me once, but guess what? We're in my element now, right? And even when Leo met up with Calypso, I like... When I first read it, I didn't actually, like, clue in. I'm just like, hold up. This is Calypso, right? Like, when Percy, the one that Percy had a meetup with, and, oh, I can't even remember which book it was. I think it was the fourth? Uh, I think it was the fourth, because that's when he blew up Mount St. Helens. Yeah, but, like, you're just like, how is that even possible? And, you know... It, it, he just kept trying connections. And ha- like you said, with Bob, that was crazy. And you're just like, oh my goodness, Bob. And and even with uh, Nico's past with Percy, you know, because Bob talks a lot about Nico, right? He's just like, Nico asked me to, like, he was, he was nice to me. And I know that he... Like, would kind of want me to help you guys, right? And and we find out more about his, Nico's inner feelings too, right? Like, when he's, when he meets up with Cupid, it's just like... Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot that uh, gets revealed and a lot of connections that uh, come together. Um, who would you say is your favorite character so far? It's really hard to pick. I used to, like, right off the bat be like, Leo. I love Leo. He's the best. And he is a really great character. But every time I read it, it was like, oh, but I also really love Hazel. And I love Piper. And I love Annabeth. And I love Frank. I totally lost his name for a second. Um, And I love Percy and Jason, right? Like, I love all of them amongst other people like Reyna is a total boss character and we love that and she was super powerful even though she really didn't have a whole ton of like yeah godlike power right and you don't really see it much but you hear about it you know when they see Reyna and she's just like I went through all of this and you're just like oh my gosh you know like she and she was alone right so but like I just love all of these characters, I can't really like narrow it down, you know? And it's that's the hard part, you know? When when there's like one main character, right? You're just like, oh, I love that character. But you can love other characters, but I feel like you're like, 
since you know the innermost thoughts of that character, you're really connected with them. But they have, like, every single person's point of view in this book, right? Like, even if I think Piper only had a couple of chapters in her perspective. Yeah. But even in the previous books, you're just... You got to know them, and you got to know their thoughts and their and and how they felt, right? Especially like reading Percy and Beth's perspective, you really like you really felt for them, and you really understood what they're going through, right? They're struggling through Tartarus, and they're they're going through a ton. And as you said, they lead on each other. And you got to see that, especially since you saw both of their perspectives, right? So you got to see how the other leaned on each other through their thoughts. So it's hard to pick. I just love all of them. They're in their own. They're amazing in their own ways and stuff. So that's true. Yeah, no, I agree with you that it is hard to pick. Although I was thinking about it, and I was thinking my favorite character in this book is obviously all of them, but like aside from them. It's Calypso, because she is boss, man. Like, the way that she, like, talks to Leo and deals with Leo and everything, like, she's just so funny. And, I mean, you don't get to see her perspective, right? But but you do, you get to see her a little bit, and you get to understand a little bit of where she's coming from. Like, if I had to pick someone other than the main characters, that, that she would be my favorite. Oh, yeah. And that was just the best how she, like, as you said, how she dealt with Leo, and she, she didn't let her struggles in her lost promises kind of, like, bring her down too much, you know, and so, that was, she's, she's an awesome character. Yeah, she is. Uh, what would you rate the book out of 10? Say a solid nine and a half out of 10. Yeah. I'm too, I'm honestly too afraid to give anything like a 10 out of 10, right? Because it's just like, but 10 out of 10 is my favorite books. And this is, this is an amazing book and all of these books are super amazing. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd give it a nine just because like it's an amazing book. But like you said, like, you know, you're kind of scared to, to give it a 10 out of 10 because, you know, that means that there was nothing that you didn't like about the book. I think this book is awesome and definitely worth the read, even though like it's um, like catered to younger grades. It's still an amazing, amazing book. Well, thank you, Shreya, for joining me today to discuss the House of Hades. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? I leave you with the same thing that I leave you every single time. Read the book. It's amazing. It just... Uh, it's, it's so good. Even though, as you said, it's a kid's book, but, like, who cares? It's it's an amazing book, and read it, and see ya. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Um, yeah, definitely recommend reading this book. Um, and thank you for reading along with us. You can follow Open Books with Claire on Instagram using the link in the show notes or using our handle at Open Books with Claire. This episode was hosted by myself, Claire Oster, and Soraya. It was edited by Alex Williams. The music we use is by Paper Planes, and Open Books with Claire is produced by Mecco Radio, and we are a proud member of the Create Vine. Bye! <laughs>